On today's episode of the Backseat Coach Podcast, this is episode five of the podcast. We are going to talk about college football week one coming up. Week zero came, it went, it was glorious, but now we have the full college football slate ahead of us for week one. We're going to give a full preview of that. We have games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We're also going to talk fantasy football because I'm recording this late at night, and tomorrow morning I'll be getting on a flight. Actually, this morning when I upload this, I'll be getting on a flight to head to Las Vegas for the weekend for my annual fantasy football draft I do with all my boys from high school. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Excited to be back in Vegas once again. Fantasy football as well. So fantasy football talk will be coming. But first off, this video is being brought to you by three sponsors today. Run Your Pool, Thrive Fantasy, and Chalkboard. We'll talk about those later. And just go ahead and get settled in. Remember, there's timestamps down below so you can jump to any portion of of the podcast you want to. But yeah, today's been a long day. It is uh it's right now not too late. It's nine o'clock when I'm filming this podcast, but tomorrow morning I gotta hop on a five AM flight to head up, which is dumb. I should have just drove in hindsight. It's a four four hour, forty five minute drive from my house in Phoenix. But whatever. We're flying, it's like an hour long flight. What's funny is like in Arizona right now is Pacific time zone, Vegas is uh, mountain standard time zone, so I'm flying just straight north, but I'll be jumping back a time zone. So it's just a it's just a whole big mess, but Looking forward to Vegas, but in order to get ready for that, since I'm going to be gone a few days, I had a lot to do to get ready because, you know, I, I like to be consistent with my TikToks. I have grad school I'm in right now, so I'll just give you like a flavor of my day. This morning, alarm goes off at 4 a.m. That's when I get up, get my start to the day, come in here to my office, and I start doing my grad school homework. I'm right now a grad student at Penn State getting my master's in supply chain management. Definitely regret getting this degree, to be honest. I feel like it's more just checking a box as opposed to actually gaining a lot of value from it. But hey, we are Penn State. Anyways, uh, so first off, if you didn't know, I have a bachelor's degree from the University of Wisconsin-Madison in electrical engineering. I also have my MBA from the University of Arizona. So now we're going for the master's in supply chain management. That's what I started with my morning. Probably two and a half, three hours of homework. 7 a.m. rolled around. The sun was high and bright in the sky. I live in Arizona, so it was already like 90 degrees at that point. Decided to go on a nice walk. After that, I lifted in my gym, which is in the garage, which is basically just a sauna during the summertime. After that, came back inside, get, got a good shower. Then it started grinding because I post four TikToks every single day on the Backseat Coach account. Four TikToks minimum. And then I post four TikToks as well on my Backseat Screen Time movie account, which you may or may not know about. So I have my movie account, my sports account, four TikToks each. I filmed enough drafts on both accounts to cover me four TikToks each the entire time I'm in Vegas. And the movie account, I definitely don't plan on filming while I'm in Vegas because I, I don't really want to be reviewing a movie while I'm just like on the strip in Vegas. But for the sports account, you can expect to see some some funny videos of my friends and I while we're you know sipping on the booze and doing our fantasy football drafts. So I'll be asking them what their their Super Bowl predictions are or who who they think the best fantasy team is. I'll show, show off my fantasy team. So you expect some Vegas videos. But overall, I have I think. 18 drafts saved up for the backseat coach account and I have 24 drafts saved up for the backseat screen time so I grinded today I was just in my office all day making TikToks just a draining day to say the least took forever but we have them all saved up I I get massive anxiety when I go on vacation I'm not able to post because I just try to be so consistent with these accounts and social media that when I'm gone I'm like I can't ruin my streak I got to keep it going which kind of brings me into this episode of the podcast tonight because today's podcast episode five, I was reading an article, a stat somewhere that said 90% of podcasts don't make it past the fifth episode. So with that in mind, I was like, you know what? I can't skip today, which I never really was planning anyways. But like I mentioned earlier, it's about nine o'clock when I'm filming this. I've been up since 4 a.m. and I've been doing everything, everything and anything on my to-do list. I still have a lot more to do after this, unfortunately. 
But we had to get to that episode five because I am to I'm committed to keeping this podcast going. I love sports. I love talking with you all. This is very therapeutic for me to be able to talk out sports for forty five minutes or an hour. I would love to have a co-host. I don't think of this as just me wanting to be just a solo podcast. I would love a co-host, but I don't really want to force a co-host. I want it to come organically. I want it to come naturally. I want it to be someone who I have chemistry with. So I'm not only just looking for someone who knows their sports, because obviously that's a prerequisite. But I want someone maybe funny, entertaining, someone to have a good rapport with. I want this to be a good back and forth podcast where we have different ideas and we can bounce off each other. My podcast I have coming out on September 12th, which is a movie podcast with me, George Carmi from Movies and Stuff 14, Seth from Seth's Film Reviews, and Cam from Cam Walsh, or Cam Walsh from Cam273. I don't know, it's terrible branding. But some of the biggest movie TikTok accounts, we're all coming together to make a movie podcast. And that's going to be great. We're going to have four diverse ideas, all reviewing movies, talking about movies and entertainment. That's going to be great, and I really want that here. I would love to have a co-host. I'd love to have multiple co-hosts. I, at least in the future, I'm planning on having interviews often on here. I have a couple contacts that I'm going to try to get interviews of. But still, nonetheless, I would love to have a co-host on this podcast. If you know of anyone interested or maybe you're interested, drop a comment down below. I'm, I would love to love to chat with you and see what you got in store. But episode five, we are here. We made it. And week one is also here, and it has made it. Now, week zero, we talked about it extensively in the last podcast. Make sure you go check that out if you haven't already or any of my TikToks. I've, I've gone at length of week zero and Nebraska and Scott Frost and you name it. But we're turning a new leaf because it's week one, starting tonight for those of you listening on Thursday morning with a Thursday night slate. And we're just going to go ahead and preview some of the games. There's a, Thursday night slate, honestly, has a couple of appetizing games, but a lot of them more or less are stinkers. Games kick off at... Oh, what is this sound? I have some sound playing. Tennis, man, ESPN. The ESPN app. I don't know if you guys can hear that through your speakers, but the ESPN website has the most pop-up ads, play video ads. Like, I just need to get an ad blocker. But anyways, I'm just looking at this, this slate here on ESPN. Didn't do as much prep as normal for this podcast because I feel like last podcast episode and the last couple have almost been over-prepped where I just felt like I was giving a monologue and reading off stuff. I'd rather have this be more conversational, and that's why a co-host would be great. But the first game that really just jumps out at me on this Thursday slate is the backyard brawl. College game day is going to be there. West Virginia versus Pittsburgh. These two teams have a lot to prove, and this is going to be such a fun game. Even though this is the first major game of the weekend slate, this might be one of the best or at least the most intriguing in terms of storylines. What do we have from West Virginia? West Virginia is bringing in JT Daniels. He's gone from Georgia. He went from USC to Georgia. Now he's at West Virginia. Hasn't really been able to find himself a home Hasn't really excelled at the college level. He's always been getting beat out by other people at the teams he's been on. But West Virginia, the Mountaineers, it's his team to run. But all in all, West Virginia has been very lackluster in the Big 12 the past few years. And just very, very much in terms of their schedule as a whole. They've just been a very non-competitive team over recent history. But that's not Mountaineer football. We know Morgantown, West Virginia is a good football town. Will JT Daniels bring him back? We're going to find out tonight. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, has even more question marks. Speaking of USC quarterbacks that left like JT Daniels, Keaton Slovis is now the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Panthers quarterback, replacing uh, replacing Kenny Pickett, who now finds himself in the pros in Pittsburgh with the Steelers. But that's not all. They don't just have a new quarterback, even though Kenny Pickett had an amazing season last year. That's a big hole to play, replace. They also lost Jordan Addison, going right back to USC. It was almost if they were just trading Keaton Slovis for Jordan Addison. Maybe, honestly, one of the... He's for sure top five receivers in the nation. You could even say he's top... He, he might be the top receiver in the nation. Jackson Smith and Jigbo would have something to say about that. But I still think Jordan Addison is an incredible talent. He's going to be a major loss for Pitt. 
But maybe most of all is Mark Whipple. Their offensive coordinator is gone. He's now the offensive coordinator for Nebraska, who looked pretty good. We talked about him on Tuesday. But Pittsburgh was a top 10 offense last season. Not only just in the ACC, I'm talking in the country. And they lost their offensive coordinator. They lost their starting quarterback. And they lost their number one receiver. They're returning some key pieces at the wide receiver or at the offensive line position. They have some good running backs. They have some weapons at wide receiver, but they have a lot of holes to fix. So will they come out and be able to be as dominant as they were last year in week one in a true test against a Big 12 opponent? We're going to find out. 7 p.m. Eastern time, Pitt versus West Virginia in the backyard brawl. Right now I see Pitt is favored by 7.5. There's a lot of new pieces there for the Pittsburgh Panthers to give them that many points. I know West Virginia normally has been near the bottom of the Big 12, but I don't, I don't like that spread. That just seems like too much, especially since that point five is flipping them over touchdown. That's enticing, but we'll come back to that because at the end of this episode, I'll be talking about my best bets for week one because I have, I have nine. <laughs> I mean, we went great week zero. We went one and four. So, I mean, we got to keep the momentum rolling. But, no, we got we got to chase our losses. You know, that's the number one rule in gambling is you chase your losses. Um, you don't quit while you're ahead. You know, it's the staples of gambling. Other than West Virginia Pitt, there's a lot of lackluster games on Thursday. I mean, I'm still going to watch them because I'm going to be in Vegas with a lot of friends who went to Minnesota. So, we'll be watching them dominate New Mexico State. Uh, Mizzou will be beating up on Louisiana Tech, which will feel nice for Tigers fans. But the other really enticing game is Penn State versus Purdue because these teams, I wouldn't say are the biggest question marks in the Big Ten this season because that's not accurate at all, but they might have the most to prove in their respective divisions. In the Big Ten West, I think it's a four-pony race. There's seven teams in the Big Ten West, and we saw three of them last week, and I think those three are the bottom three teams, Nebraska, Illinois, and Northwestern. In terms of winning the Big Ten West, I see it a race between Purdue, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa. We know Wisconsin and Iowa can get there. They do it time and time again. They're usually the representatives from the Big Ten West, except that one year when Northwestern made it. Purdue, on the other hand, has been good to upset a few games, make some major upsets by beating Ohio State, but they're never really putting enough string of wins together in order to be competitive in the Big Ten West to be in the conversation for the Big Ten title. Minnesota, pretty similar, except instead of pulling off big upsets, they're prone to be getting upset by teams like Bowling Green or Illinois in games that are very winnable. So will Purdue take that next step and be a team this season that could push for that Big Ten West title and get into the Big Ten Championship game? That's on the line against Penn State. This game is in West Lafayette, Indiana. Penn State, on the other hand, is a lot more to prove. They are, talk about the top four in the Big Ten West. The top four in the Big Ten East has always been a staple. It's always been Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and then the rest are just fighting for scraps to the bottom, except similar that year with Northwestern, that year with Indiana. Penn State, though, hasn't really been competitive since 2019. Saquon Barkley, Trace McSorley, those days are gone. And Penn State football has been just really disappointing, to say the least, especially last season. And a lot of people were calling for James Franklin to leave. A lot of people were crossing their fingers, crossing their toes, hoping that he was going to take that offensive or take that head coaching position at USC before Lincoln Riley took the job. But he stayed, and so did Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford's back. James Franklin's back. I have a lot of faith in them. If you've been listening to my TikToks, you know that one of my boldest takes and predictions of the year is that Penn State's going to go 11-1 and and be dominant. Yes, I just said that at the beginning of this podcast. I go to Penn State, and yes, you can see Saquon Barkley behind me in that Penn State uniform. But I truly think that James Franklin has a plan. I mean, he has the money, but I think he also has a plan. And I think Sean Clifford is a great quarterback that will, give, when given the chance this season, I think he's really going to light things up. 
And I'm just all in on Penn State this year. And this is a very intriguing spread because in Purdue, both these teams have something to prove. Going to try to get a leg up on the Big Ten West and Big Ten East with an early Big Ten matchup. Penn State's favored by 3.5. Now, maybe give three points due to the home team. Basically, they're saying about a touchdown is what they expect Penn State to win on a neutral field. I like that, to be honest. I, I do. I think Purdue, I think the fact that it's three and a half instead of Penn State being home and maybe it would be seven, seven, ten and a, ten. 0.5 point spread of Penn State's home. I think Penn State can cover that spread. I think it's going to be potentially an ugly game. I think Penn State will make mistakes early, but I can see them winning that one. But we'll talk about my best bets again when it's coming. But Penn State versus Purdue for the Big Ten, just getting the season on the right foot for those two, trying to prove themselves in their respective divisions as kind of the quote-unquote bottom feeder of the top of their divisions. Like in terms of the top teams, they're kind of the low rung of the totem pole. But aforementioned, the rest of the Thursday slate is pretty much a nothing burger. Friday slate isn't great, but it's something. There's Friday games. When you're in Vegas at a sports book, it doesn't matter. Duke versus Temple, I already know, will be a sports book favorite because Temple's a team that maybe could upset Duke. Duke's favored by seven. Kansas will get off to a season with a win against Tennessee Tech. But the two games that are enticing on Friday are the are the latest two games. So don't don't act like Friday's just a complete throwaway game. At five o'clock we have Illinois versus Indiana, which is will it be a great game? I don't know, but Illinois last week dominated Wyoming, an undermanned Wyoming, and they got off to a 1-0 start. And Indiana is a very beatable team, or at least people think. People think Indiana is going to be near the bottom of the Big Ten East. I'm included in that. So that's why I think this game is intriguing. Anytime there's an interconference matchup this early in the season, you got to pay attention to it. you got to take note because that's going to prove so much for the landscape of the conference. But I had Illinois being the worst team in the Big Ten West, and I have Indiana being the worst team in the Big Ten East. So what will this game look like? Indiana's favored by 1.5. The game's in Bloomington. Illinois looked great last week, but was it just because Wyoming was undermanned? Indiana, a couple years ago, they were a top 15 team. They were a dominant force in the Big Ten, and then they just completely dropped off a hill. Michael Penix transferred to Washington, and they just have really been clawing to try to be a good football program once again. I'm going to be really interested to see how this game pans out because if this game's just an absolute stinker, the over-under set at 46, if this is like a 17-14 to 14 just slugfest with his fumbles, interceptions, sloppy play, then I'll be, I'll be reaffirmed in my assertions that these two are going to be the bottom of the conference. But if Illinois looks great like they did last week, maybe that even though they played an undermanned Wyoming team, maybe they got some much-needed momentum and they pick up an early Big Ten win and all of a sudden Illinois is 2-0 and 1-0 in the conference could be real interesting to see how the line I take that momentum. So anytime there's an interconference game, you got to take note, and that's one I'm taking note of. And another game I'm taking note of is 7 o'clock, or 7 o'clock Pacific time. I know I'm in weird time. Everyone lives on Eastern time and Central time. TCU versus Colorado. I'm low on TCU this year. Not as low as I am on Colorado, but in terms of the Big 12, there's some people that have a lot of faith in TCU. I heard them talking on College Game Day, Desmond Howard. People were talking about maybe TCU's a contender for the Big 12 championship. Colorado, on the other hand, will be fighting with Arizona for being the worst team in the Pac-12. But this game is in Boulder, Colorado at Folsom Field. TCU is favored by 13.5 on the road. I think that's a pretty sizable spread if you're telling me. Like, I know Colorado is going to be bad, but I don't think TCU is going to be that powerful. But if they can go on the road to Boulder and put up a three-touchdown win against Colorado, then maybe I'll start to rethink my Horn Frogs predictions. So I'm going to be really interested to see how TCU can do in a game where they're on the road yet heavily favored and expected to win. And again, they're two power five teams matching up, which I feel like week one, you're getting either blockbuster games, you're getting, you know, Texas A&M versus Sam Houston or Wisconsin versus Illinois State. 
which is not very enticing. You don't really get anything in between, but at least Illinois, Indiana, TCU, Colorado are giving us something in between there in terms of their games that are going to matter because their Power 5 teams and Power 5 records are going to change. But they're not going to be the most exciting football to watch. But football's back, and we're not going to complain about that. But now once we jump into the Saturday slate, this is when you really get the bib on, you get get the steak knife out, and you get ready to dig into some protein because this is just a hearty diet of amazing football. I mentioned already Wisconsin and Texas A&M have some, has some easy opponents. Michigan as well. Colorado State should be very beatable. One thing I think is interesting is NC State's favored by 11.5 over East Carolina. Now, East Carolina is a competent group of five team, but I think NC State is completely out of their league. So the fact that it's less than a two-touchdown spread, I don't know. <laughs> smells like a smells kind of like a trap bet, to be honest. Smells like a trap line. But that's just something interesting because I just think the Wolfpack are way, 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 way better than just an 11.5 spread against East Carolina. UConn unfortunately started the season 0-1. They had a winnable game last week against Utah State, but UConn plays Central Connecticut. Can they get a win? Can UConn not go winless this season? I think they have a great chance. Uh, South Dakota State's a great FCS team. It'll be really interesting to see how they match up against Iowa. I expect Iowa to handle them pretty well, but Iowa still doesn't know exactly who their quarterback's going to be between Padilla and Petrus. It'll be really interesting to see how an FCS team that is very, very good in the FCS will be able to stack up against a, a, a very strong Big Ten team in Iowa. But let's talk about some of the more competitive games. I did my top five on TikTok of the top five games for Saturday I'm looking forward to, but I didn't talk about this one in it, and this is my honorable mention right at that number six that didn't make the cut is UNC, the Tar Heels, who I think could be a little underrated this season. I think they could surprise some people in the ACC, are on the road. They're already 1-0, and they're on the road against Appalachian State, which is going to be, you know, when you're talking about what group of five team can surprise people, jump into the top 25, make some waves, Appalachian State has to be at least in the conversation. So North Carolina on the road, already 1-0. They're favored by 1.5, going down to Boone to play in Kid Brewer Stadium. That game's going to be real fun to watch, and it just barely didn't make my top five, but I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that game because North Carolina is a team that personally I say is underrated, whereas App State is a team I absolutely think could climb into the top 25 at some point in the season. Kind of only one of those two can happen. There's kind of a fork in the road there in terms of this game. This game, because obviously when you're a group of five team like App State, any loss is going to set you back immensely from in the top 25 because rightfully so, top 25 is mostly reserved for power five conferences because they're playing harder opponents week in and week out. But North Carolina, I thought they looked good, but not great in their week in their week zero win. I talked about it in the last podcast, but that's my number six game. I'm very interested to see how that plays out. North Carolina favored by 1.5, like I said. My number five game, though, is well, actually, I'm not even gonna worry if I get the order right, but Houston versus UTSA. I mentioned this in my record predictions for each team that I did on TikTok. But these two Texas teams are facing off, and Houston has high hopes in the American Athletic Conference. I've mentioned it time and time again that the American Athletic Conference may very well be the most competitive and most entertaining conference race to watch this entire season. You have Houston, SMU, Memphis, UCF, and oh, don't forget about Cincinnati. Those five are going to be in a dogfight to win that conference. And Houston has very, very high hopes. They're number 24 right now in the preseason poll. But I think a lot of people overlooked the UTSA Roadrunners last season. I think a lot of people didn't realize how good of a season they had. They were undefeated most of the year, including beating Houston early on. And now Houston has to go on the road to the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas and play UTSA, who's going to be looking for another upset this season. Houston's favored by four on the road. But I think UTSA could shock Houston. I think UT- Houston, if Houston comes out slow, UTSA will jump on them. 
And I very well think that might happen, which will be a huge setback for Houston, obviously. I still think that doesn't put an end to them for the AAC conference or the American Athletic Conference because, obviously, this isn't a conference game. So the conference record is not going to take a hit because of it. But it would bounce them out of the top 25 and make it a it – would, it would eliminate them in college football playoff contention. It sounds silly, but, I mean, hey, Cincinnati won the American Athletic Conference last season and made the college football playoff. So I wouldn't say it's that silly to say that this is a major game and the loss for Houston would be a big blow to their overall season aspirations. So that would be a great Texas battle to watch. The Alamo Dome, always such a fun atmosphere to watch football be played in. Next up in, in games I'm just absolutely looking forward to on Saturday, Oregon and Georgia. Now, Oregon, both Georgia and Ohio State are favored by a lot against very, very solid opponents. We have Oregon at number 11 in the preseason rankings, and we have Georgia at number 3. And Georgia's favored by 17 over them. We have Dan Lanning, who was the defensive coordinator for Georgia, is now the head coach for Oregon. He's jumping into a program that has a lot of returning pieces. They have returning offensive linemen. They have returning skill positions. They have one of the best freshman quarterbacks in the nation, and they have Bo Nix transferring over from Auburn. So in terms of a head coach coming into a, a position at a program, this might be the very best one you could walk into. Mario Cristobal didn't leave because he was done with Oregon. He left because he could go home to Miami. So Dan Lanning really fell his way, or he didn't fall his way. He earned it. He's a national champion coach. But he got real, real lucky that Oregon job opened up because this is a great fit for him. And I think the culture of Oregon needs a culture shock because they made too many petty mistakes last season, too many unforced errors. And Dan Lanning is a guy who's not going to take that shit. He's just absolutely not. He knows what it takes to be a national champion. I think he's going to whip Oregon into shape. But the team he's leaving is the national champions themselves, the Georgia Bulldogs. And sure, they lost Trayvon Walker and a lot of great pieces in that defense of the draft. But they still have Stetson Bennett. They still have Kendall Milton. Their offense, I still think, will be able to put up points. Their defense is not like they're just not going to replace those guys with five-star, four-star recruits that are coming in. And people who have been in the system for a few years. I think Georgia will be just as feared as they once were. And for some reason, I feel like Georgia's being overlooked this year, even though they're the reigning defending national champions. Just because, oh, yeah, they had the best defense we've ever seen in college football, but they lost some to the draft. They lost Dan Lanning. They still got Kirby Smart. They're still going to be fine. I think Georgia's going to be a great team. 17 points is a lot of a lot of points. I don't think Dan Lanning's going to roll over that easy against his former team. But that's going to be absolute must-watch TV, obviously, right in the afternoon. Another game that's must-watch TV, obviously, is Ohio State versus Notre Dame. Let me see where that is. That, that, that one's the night game, the night cap on ABC. This game's in Ohio Stadium in Columbus. Ohio State's favored by 17, which is wild because it's number two versus number five. But it, it makes sense when you boil it down. I mean, Ohio State completely outclasses Notre Dame at quarterback, running back, wide receivers, offensive line play, even though offensive line is kind of close. But I still say Ohio State outplays Notre Dame on the offensive line. Defensive side of the ball, Notre Dame's closer. I will, I will, won't lie, Notre Dame's closer, but I think coaching-wise, Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator who had a great year is coming over from one OSU to the other. Going to have that defense improve from last season, which when you're a team like Ohio State with that much firepower and offense returning with C.J. Stroud, Travion Henderson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, you don't need a great defense. You don't even really need a good defense, to be honest. You need a competent defense. You need a defense that can limit the big playability, force a turnover or two every once in a while, and just ultimately just not let teams bite you for big chunks. And Notre Dame, that's never really their MO anyways. They usually play fundamental, sound, traditional football and march the ball down the field. If Ohio State's just competent on defense, their offense is way more explosive and electric than Notre Dame's, and I think they should cover that spread, even though it's 17. It's a scary spread, but I think Ohio State just completely outclasses Notre Dame this game, which is nothing against Notre Dame. But Ohio State is a beast this season, and even though I have them in my personal number two, 
I wouldn't argue with anyone that has Ohio State as the number one team in the nation. So I think Ohio State can cover that spread. We'll talk about that in the best bets later. Another game that I'm super excited for is Utah and Florida. Utah has called last season they beat Oregon, they embarrassed Oregon the regular season. And they went on the Pac-12 championship and they won the Pac-12 championship relatively easy once again against Oregon. So the big Pac-12 championship is no longer their goal. That's a checkpoint. Their goal is a college football playoff slot. And they absolutely have the talent to get there with Cameron Rising, that strong defense, and enough weapons on offense to make it happen. Great tight end play. But they're going to be real tested week one. Going to Gainesville, Florida. They're leaving the mountains of Salt Lake City and going to SEC country to play the Florida Gators. And while the Florida Gators, I do not think, will be an amazing team in the SEC this season, Anthony Richardson is a problem. He is a dual-threat quarterback that Utah is going to have to prepare heavily for. Florida has SEC talent from all the way on all levels of their team, offensively and defensively, which are going to be big boys, fast boys, strong boys, and boys that are really athletic. Utah doesn't get that same level of recruits in the Pac-12, or in Utah, the state of Utah in general. So they're going to be out-recruited here. They're going to be in hostile territory in Florida, SEC country, National spotlight on ESPN with all those fans rowdy and rowdy and riled up in Florida at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. They're favored by three points, and I think Utah's clearly the better football team, but I'm worried that the stage might be too bright for them. I have them winning this game, but I think I'm, get, I'm obviously going to keep my eye on I mean, glued to this while I'm in a sports book, that I'm a little worried Utah, this, these lights might be a little too bright for them, especially this early in the season. But they are returning pieces. Cameron Rising's experienced. So we'll have to wait and see. But that game's going to be must-watch TV. I think it might even be a more intriguing game than the Notre Dame-Ohio State or the Oregon-Georgia game. But the number one game, and honestly, by far, the number one game I have on my radar is Cincinnati versus Arkansas. Cincinnati was a college football playoff team last year. Behind the arm of Desmond Ritter, who's now in the Atlanta Falcons, they still have Luke Fickle, one of the most respected, one of the best player coaches in the country. And those Cincinnati Bearcats are going to look to reload, but they have to go week one down to SEC country to play Arkansas in Fayetteville, Fayetteville, Arkansas at Razorback Stadium. Now, Arkansas is coming into the season with even higher expectations than Cincinnati. They're ranked higher. They're at number 19 right now. K.J. Jefferson's getting Heisman buzz. Arkansas has really been a team that hasn't been too competitive in the last few years, but last season, somewhat out of nowhere, they all of a sudden were very competent, winning massive games, beating Texas pretty handedly, and being very competitive in the SEC for the first time in a few years. And they're going to look to build on that this season. I think Arkansas is, has the potential to turn some heads. You you all know on here that I'm down on them. I have them going 6-6, six and six, but that's a, that's a rare take is what I'm saying. While I'm down on them, I'm not going to deny that everyone has expectations for them. They definitely have more than enough capabilities of being the great team they're expected to be. Cincinnati, on the other hand, I think even though they lost Desmond Ritter, I think they'll reload fine. I just have a lot of faith in Luke Fickle. But we'll find out week one if I'm right with Cincinnati being high in them and returning as the AAC champions or if Arkansas is going to be that guy, if they're that dude, if they're that team, the SEC, that they're going to be competitive. They're not just all hype. They're not all style with no substance. Arkansas Razorbacks week one have a chance to prove to the nation that they deserve that top 25 slot. They have a chance to prove to me and the broader nation of doubters that they deserve a top 25 slot. They are not to be trifled with in SEC West. And they, they don't care about Cincinnati being the cultural playoff last season because this season is the season of the Razorbacks. Arkansas is favored by 6.5 on home turf. That means about a 3.5 favor on neutral field. 
I think that Cincinnati can win this game. I think it was a winnable game for Cincinnati just because I think their team's a little more experienced. And I think their coaching staff, you know, obviously they've been there. They've been to the college football playoff last season. They're used to winning. The Bearcats are a winning program. But this is going to be the best game of the weekend for me. Cincinnati, Arkansas. This is going to ma- just spell major, major uh, ripple waves, I guess. They're just going to send ripple waves throughout college football. Cincinnati wins this game. They're top 15, top 10 team in the next rankings. Arkansas wins this game. They're top 15, top 10 in the next rankings. Cincinnati's bounced out. And look, Houston, if you can make it past UTSA, the AAC might be yours. SMU perk up. UCF, Memphis. We... I just, I'm so excited for this game. That's all I can say. Will Luke Fickle be able to rebuild after losing some key pieces of the NFL and graduation? And will Arkansas be able to live up to the hype with KJ Jefferson? This is my game of the week, Cincinnati, Arkansas. I think Cincinnati can absolutely win this game. I think six and a half points is a lot there. We'll talk about that in the best bets. But that's my game of the week, 12.30 p.m. Pacific time. That's what, 4.30, 3.30 Central, Eastern? I don't even know why I'm talking about this anymore. You know, you can look up what time a game is. But Cincinnati, Arkansas is my game of the week. There's some other games that will pique my interest. You know, when you're at the sports book and you have 72 TVs in front of you, there's going to be one in the corner of your eye. And that'll be for me since I am an Arizona grad, Arizona-San Diego State. Somehow San Diego State, who's a good team, the Aztecs are a good good team. Snapdragon Stadium looks electric. Home opener against Arizona Wildcats. They're only favored by six. I think San Diego State can absolutely put the beat down on Arizona. But I'm an Arizona grad, so I'm not going to bet against them. Just out of principle. You know, I gave, I've given enough money to that university no need to give them any lose any more money by betting against them and losing but that's a saturday slate however we're not just done with saturday football we have sunday and monday football but first we're gonna hear from run your pool because college football is starting this weekend it's starting today if you're listening to this on thursday and you have to join my college football pick and pool do you think you're better than your friends at picking the winners every nfl sunday or college football saturday with pick'em pools, fantasy pools, survivor pools, squares, and more, Run Your Pool is the premier place to run your online sports pools and see who is the best in your friend group, family, or the best in the office at picking winners right each week. Right now, I'm hosting an NFL and college football pick'em pool as well as an NFL survivor pool on Run Your Pool, which are all 100% free to join. And the winner of each of those three pools is going to receive a custom jersey of their choice, any sport, any player, you name it. If you're watching this on YouTube, listen to this on Spotify, you name it, check the description right now because you'll see a link to go join. Again, it's completely 100% free to join. Winner gets a jersey of their choice. I look forward to competing against all of you. If you sit there and listen to my podcast each week and say this numb nut, this thick skull doesn't know what he's talking about. He has no clue about college football. He's an idiot. Join my college football pick and pool. I'll send you a jersey if you beat me. But anyways, run your pool. Links in the description. Go ahead and check them out. But let's jump into the Sunday and Monday games because they're few, but they're important. There's one on each. And and they're, they're big brand names, but I don't know how great a game they are. Sunday's going to definitely be a better game. But Sunday, we have Florida State versus LSU at Caesar Superdome Stadium in New Orleans. So this game's where the Saints play. Florida State is coming off a big win last week. 1-0. They didn't cover the spread, but they put up 40-plus points. The running game looked electric, but was that just because they were playing Duquesne? LSU looks to open their season. Their hopes are, you know, obviously they won the national championship with Joe Burrow at Orgeron. Had a major down year at Orgeron left. They're kind of replacing their system, kind of looking like, looking more like the LSU have passed. It seems like the Joe Brady at Orgeron, Joe Burrow days were just kind of a flash in the pan, and LSU's kind of getting back to that that team we knew from the early 2010s, which isn't bad, but it's just different. It's not going to be proliferated around spread offenses, throwing the ball 300, 400 yards every game. 
But LSU's a home team. They're favored by three points. And this will be a real interesting game because LSU's a team I'm down on in the SEC. Florida State, I'm also down on in the ACC. Who's going to win this game? Both these teams are going to be desperate for a week one win because I think both of them hear the chatter that no one's expecting them to do well in their respective conferences. And if they're able to put things in motion and get a big-time win, especially Florida State getting a 2-0 would be massive, massive for their program to get going on the season. But obviously LSU being at the same stadium, the All-State-Louisiana kickoff in Caesar Superdome, that's a can't-lose game. You can't lose on that stage with all those Bayou fans in the stadium. I'm real excited to see how LSU does. I've always been an LSU fan since I was a child. Um, the backstory on that is my first memories of watching football ever was Reggie Bush on the USC Trojans with Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart. Reggie Bush was amazing. I, I couldn't get enough of USC, so I became a massive USC fan. Reggie Bush got drafted to the Saints. Simultaneously, Drew Brees was my quarterback all the time because I played ESPN 2K5, which is the best sports video game to ever be. And I played ESPN 2K5, and the best player in that game was LaDainian Tomlinson, one of the best running backs of all time in NFL history, and he was on the San Diego Chargers at the time. And Drew Brees was a quarterback. He wasn't great in that game. He wasn't great at all. I think he was like a 77 overall or something. But I played with him all the time. I knew who he was, mainly just because I was handed the ball off with him to LaDainian Tomlinson to go run for an 80-yard touchdown. But then Drew Brees gets traded post-Hurricane Katrina to the Saints. Sean Payton era begins. And just the, the, the meshing of Drew Brees going to the Saints and Reggie Bush being drafted took all my fandom majorly, and just I was all in as a Saints fan from, like, third grade. And what does that mean? When I'm a third-grade kid, you know what your brain thinks? You're like, I love the Saints. The Saints are my favorite football team, and I'm a third-grader, and I'm going to be an NFL player. But I want to be on the Saints. How do I show the Saints that I want to play for them? Well, I make it look like I'm a local kid. I go to college at LSU, so it's a good story. You know, Pittsburgh Steelers, they draft Kenny Pickett. They draft James Conner. They love getting their Panthers up to the Steelers. My idea was to do the same thing, go to go to LSU. So from that day forward, ever since I started liking the Saints, I was like, LSU is my football team. So I had tons of LSU memorabilia for no reason. I was a big, like, I always wore LSU stuff to school, big LSU fan. I, I haven't loved them as much. My dad was also a big Alabama fan, and I just always, that was the Les Miles, Nick Saban rivalry time. And I just always love rooting against people because it's just fun to get a rise out of people. Alabama often won those games. But it was still rooting for LSU and just kind of being, being the outcast. So LSU's kind of been a team that I've really enjoyed a lot of my life. So I hope to see them win against Florida State. But in terms of just objectively looking at the game, it's a must-win game for LSU in terms of the atmosphere and what it means for their stadium with the expectations they have coming into the stadium. And for Florida State, it would be really nice to win this game. And obviously they, are gonna, they want to win this game bad. But I don't think it's going to be too detrimental if they lose this game. I more or less expect LSU to win. That's why the books have not favored by three. But I think LSU deserves more than that in terms of I just think this is LSU's game to lose, not, not LSU's game to win. Monday night, though, we have a stinker. We got a stinker. I'll be on a flight at that point, so fine by me. The Clemson Tigers, number four in the country, Dabo Swinney, coming back, trying to be back to that college football playoff caliber type team. DJ Ugalele is looking to brush by the, brush by the, how do we put this lightly? Abysmal season he had in 2020, in 2021. Last place in passing efficiency in the ACC. Yet Clemson still managed to get a cheats at bowl victory. That sweet cheddar over Iowa State Cyclones. And they had a, had a great season. They stumbled at the beginning, but they ended up having a solid season. And that's with the, the worst passing team, passing offense in the ACC last season. So your logic should say with the defense and with the running game that they're able to have, even though because last season they didn't have ETN either. He's up at the Jack, Jacksonville Jaguars, even though he's injured. 
But with that roster that they have, with the talent they have there, with the, the trench battle on the offensive and defensive lines, Clemson, if they can just improve that passing game at all, they will be a dominant force once again and look to be in the college football playoff. But I think it's going to be even more than that. I think DJ Ugalele is going to take a major step this season. I think Dabo Swinney knows that's their number one issue from last year is that passing game, and I bet he spent as much of the offseason as possible working on it. But who are they playing? I didn't even mention that. Georgia Tech, the Yellow Jackets, going to be a bottom team in the ACC. Flip a coin between Georgia Tech and Duke, and there you have it. That's your worst team in the ACC this season, which will also subsequently be one of the worst teams in all the college football. But this game's in Mercedes-Benz Super, or not Superdome. That used to be the Saints, which is now Caesars Palace. Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, where the Falcons play. So it should be a very fun atmosphere. The Chick-fil-A kickoff, Clemson versus Georgia Tech. Right now, the, the official spread hasn't been released, but if I had to guess, you know, let's just guess the line. I'm going to say Clemson is going to be minus 37 over Georgia Tech. You know, I mean, I guess most other Power 5 teams that aren't that good, like Washington's 23-point favorite of Kent State. So obviously Georgia Tech's better than Kent State, but Clemson's miles better than Washington. So I think that's just going to be a beatdown. It's going to be a Monday night game you don't have to watch, but there's football back and, you know, NFL starts on Thursday. If you need something to hold you over, because Tuesday and Wednesday are going to be dog days. You're going to be like, you're going to be shaking. You're going to be like an addict that just needs to get his fix. You're going to be shaking. I need football. Turn on Clemson, Georgia Tech. You'll at least get to see some good football for the first five minutes or so, more than likely. Um, I mean, the best thing about Georgia Tech last season was Jameer Gibbs, who's now the running back for Alabama. So they really just have nothing to be excited about for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. But that's our whole slate of college football this weekend. I think it's really great. Some other, just as I scroll back through them, some games at least worth mentioning were thrown out. Louisville-Syracuse, I think, is worth mentioning were thrown out. I think Louisville is going to be a mid to, mid to upper mid team of the ACC. Syracuse is going to be toward the bottom. But Louisville's on the road in Syracuse, New York. They're only favored by 4.5, so that could be an interesting game if the Orange are able to flip that one. SMU versus North Texas could be good. North Texas impressed me. I was the only one giving them credit for that win this past week over UTEP. It was a 50-50 game, but they won by a lot. Their defense looks sound. Their offense looks efficient. And they're home against SMU, another Texas battle. Dallas, the Dallas team of the SMU Ponies are going to be traveling, what, 40 minutes north to Denton, Texas, play, play North, North Texas at Apogee Stadium. Apogee Stadium. That game is going to be fun to watch. I think North Texas are obviously on, on high momentum after a big win in week one in another Texas battle against UTEP. They're 1-0. SMU, as I mentioned, you know, Cincinnati and Houston have tough games week one. I mean, I'm not saying SMU's game isn't tough. But this American Athletic Conference is just so competitive because, think, you have Cincinnati playing Arkansas week one. Favorite is Arkansas to beat Cincinnati. There's one of the favorites in AAC losing. SMU's facing North Texas. That's a winnable game for North Texas. SMU's still favored, but on the road, I know it's only 40 minutes. There's going to be a lot of SMU Mustangs fans up there. That's a tough game. It's not an easy out. Let's look at the other other teams in the American Athletic Conference. Memphis is going to play Mississippi State in Mississippi State. Mississippi State is being favored by 16 points. Memphis, one of the favorites to win the American Athletic, likely going to lose week one. So all these American Athletic teams are having real tough face-offs early on. And I just think it's just going to make for such a fun conference to watch. You have Houston against UTSA. You have North Texas against SMU. You have Memphis against Mississippi State. And you have Cincinnati against Arkansas, obviously. So I just can't wait to watch more of that conference. It can be a real blast to watch. But that's the whole slate for the week. I think it's a great slate. There's some stinker games, obviously. Like any week, there will be in college football. You know, Utah State at Alabama, that's going to be a blowout of 42 points. But college football is back, and I can't wait for week one. 
But I have some best bets. I am determined to get back on track after a one and four week. But we're going to talk about that after we hear from Thrive Fantasy because now that football's back, college football's back, you're going to want to get your betting on and you want to get this deal because Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports platform that offers all the daily fantasy contests you know and love, plus some awesome contests you won't find anywhere else. With Thrive Fantasy, you build your lineup each week by choosing 10 out of 20 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to occur. And if your lineup scores the most points in your pool, then you're the winner. Contests can either be head-to-head with someone or in a pool. And speaking of pools, Thrive has a Week 1 NFL featured contest that you have to join now because they're running out of time because the NFL kickoff's coming. Where $250,000 of guaranteed prize money and $50,000 going to the first place winner of that pool. To join Thrive Fantasy and receive a 100% deposit match up to $100, either join with my link in the description or download the app from the App Store and use code BACO, that's B-A-C-O, for a 100% deposit match up to $100. Again, that's BACO, code B-A-C-O, to join and enter the NFL Week 1 contest. So if you put in $100 and use my code, you'll get $200 total to play with. And if it's not a confusing how I explained it, it's one of my favorite things ever because it's daily fantasy with player props. So your quarterback for fantasy football, quote-unquote, that weekend isn't going to be Joe Burrow. So you're not going to get more points by Joe Burrow doing better. Your quarterback's going to be Joe Burrow over 350 passing yards or Joe Burrow under 350 passing yards. You're going to pick a player prop and bet the over-under, and I'll say maybe Joe Burrow over 350 is you'll get you'll get 25 points for your fantasy team and under 350 you'll get 20 points for your fantasy team. And that's how you build your lineup. So you can take riskier props to pay off more points, but obviously they're going to be lesser odds of it happening. I just think it's the most creative use of the sports betting industry that I've seen so far because it blends two things people love, daily fantasy and player props. I know I love both those things. I suck at daily fantasy, but I can do player props, so I'm very interested in Thrive Fantasy. Use my code BACO, B-A-C-O. If you're curious where BACO comes from, it's backseat coach, BACO. But use that code, join it. But let's go ahead and talk about my best bets for the week because I have nine of them. We went one in four week one. Thank you, North Texas. Praise the Lord for you getting me that one win over UTEP. But week one starts on Thursday, and I like West Virginia to cover 7.5 over Pittsburgh. And I, I, like I said, I love Pittsburgh this year. I think they're going to click. I don't even think Keaton Slovis is going to be that big of a downgrade over Kenny Pickett. I still think they could. I still think they're going to be in the ACC championship game. But no Jordan Addison, no Mark Whipple. It's going to be tough sledding, especially early on. So West Virginia 7.5 is just too many points, even though West Virginia has holes to fill too. New quarterback in their system as well. I just think it's too many points for two teams that are very unknown. So I'm going to say West Virginia plus 7.5 is bet number one. Bet number two, Penn State versus Purdue. I got to go with the, the program I'm spending money on. Even though I said earlier that I'm not betting on Arizona because I've given them enough tuition money. Well, I guess I just haven't given Penn State enough tuition money because I'm betting Penn State minus 3.5. I think they can cover that spread against Purdue. I think Penn State's going to turn some heads week one especially and then be nationally known again and be back in that top 25. Then Mizzou, Louisiana Tech. This is a little learn from your mistakes game because last week I had Hawaii plus eight against Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt has that SEC talent. They got those big boys in the trenches. They got the the recruiting prowess of the Southeastern Conference. I learned from my mistakes. Louisiana Tech cannot hang with this SEC team. Mizzou minus 20 gave it to me. Then in this edition of that's just too many damn points. New Mexico State versus Minnesota. P.J. Fleck. I don't I'm not I'm not sold on him. I'm not sold on Fleck. I'm sold on the talent of the Minnesota Gophers, but 36.5 points to the New Mexico State. What are they? The Lobos? Give me New Mexico State plus 36.5. I think Minnesota wins this game. I think they win it handedly. But handedly could mean a 24-point win. It doesn't have to mean 36.5. 
Next game, Cincinnati, Arkansas. I think Cincinnati could win this one straight up, but I'm being safe. I'm, I'm playing my cards close to the chest. And Cincinnati plus 6.5 over Arkansas. Give it to me. Arkansas, of course, has all the talent in the world to win this game. KJ Jefferson's a generational talent. But they can still win this game by three, and I still win the bet. I like Cincinnati to win, but I'm going to take Cincinnati plus 6.5 as another one of my bets. And normally, like I said, a disclaimer on my best bets, I don't actually put money on these. These are just kind of what I'm saying to try to keep a record for college football and see how I do the whole season. But I'll be in Vegas. I'll probably be placing a lot of these bets. Houston versus UTSA. I like UTSA plus 4.5. Like I said, I think UTSA, those roadrunners, are going to catch Houston Cougars uh, just napping week one. The Cougars will be napping. Zach, Zach Wilson will be hanging out with his Cougars, and the roadrunners will take advantage. Plus 4.5. I like UTSA because I can see them winning outright, but just like with Cincinnati, we'll just take the points. And then, as I alluded to earlier, NC State against East Carolina. East, NC State is way too good for East Carolina. East Carolina is not a bad team by any means, but NC State is so disciplined, so efficient, and so complete. NC State minus 11.5, give it to me. And then the next two are called Trust the Big Dog plays. They're called Hold On to Your Willies. Have some cojones, because these are lines that Vegas is telling you don't bet these. They want you to bet the other way. They're trying to entice you. They're trying to trap you in. Because it's just too many points. But Ohio State minus 17.5 over Notre Dame. Give me it. I think Ohio State outclasses Notre Dame immensely. And they're going to win by three touchdowns or more. I don't care if it's a two versus five seed. Give me Ohio State minus 17.5. Oregon, Georgia, same thing. Even though I said that there's a lot of points for the Oregon spread. This just seems like a trap they're goading you into. That's so many points to give to Oregon. Give me Georgia minus 16.5. Hold on to your willies with Ohio State and Georgia. 17 points. They'll hit it. Three touchdown wins incoming. There's my nine bets for the week. We have West Virginia plus 7.5. Penn State minus 3.5. Mizzou minus 20. New Mexico State plus 36.5. Cincinnati plus 6.5. UTSA plus 4.5. NC State minus 11.5. Ohio State minus 17.5. And Georgia minus 16.5. And obviously those Saturday games are a few days away, so the lines might spread a point here or so. But these are my official plays right there are my nine plays. But now let's talk a little bit about fantasy football. And I'm not going to be giving you much fantasy advice. It's just more just a brief discussion about fantasy football as I'm heading on my biggest fantasy football draft of the season on this trip to Vegas. But first up, I want to talk fantasy football about you or with you on Chalkboard. It's my personal group chat with people that listen to the podcast and people that follow TikTok. Chalkboard is a social platform for sports communities where each community has its own board with different channels, allowing me and anyone else that joins my community to chat and discuss in real time sports news, scores, bets, and more. Chalkboard is the absolute best way to engage with your favorite sports creators, and their community is 100% free to join. The Chalkboard app is super cool. It has a live scoreboard of games going on right this second. It has sportsbook integration, so you can integrate all of your sports betting accounts to track your bets real time and see trends. But first and foremost, it is the absolute best way to engage and discuss sports with peers. Chalkboard is free to download in the App Store, and I hope to see you all join my community. If you are watching us on YouTube or any of the audio platforms, go to the links down in the description and join Chalkboard today with my link. I often chime in on Chalkboard, ask people for video ideas, Q&As, their opinions on breaking news. So go join my board today and I will talk to you over there. Now before we end there, we're going to talk a little bit about fantasy football because I just want to have an open discussion with you all. So we do an auction draft, which I think is, if you're in a serious league, which I mean just... There's not that guy who does auto-draft every year. Someone's not drafting Mahomes in the first round unless it's a Superflex league. But if you're a serious fantasy player, if you're a serious fantasy league and you're still playing Snake, you guys aren't serious. You're not at that level. 
you have to be an auction auction league. That's just where the real players play. Auction leagues, you get a $200 budget at the beginning of the season for your draft. And instead of snaking through a draft, you nominate players like an auctioneer would bid for players. And you have $200, you have to build your team from there, from your budget, use it wisely. You have to spend at least a dollar on every player so you can't run out of money. You have to fill your whole bench. It's just the best way to play because this is what I love about it. It doesn't matter your draft position. If you for sure want Jonathan Taylor on your team, you're getting Jonathan Taylor. No questions asked. If you want the player badly enough, you'll get him. You just have to bid the highest. It'll hurt you in other positions. But you can get any player you want on auction drafts, which I love about it. It doesn't matter about the, the order. They fall in the snakes. I'm sniping it out of you. Auction drafts are super fun too because you also create your own economy, which is just awesome because ESPN or, or fantasy football pros, they'll give you auction draft values of where they think players are going to go. Say, you know, Jonathan Taylor, that should be a $70 player. You know, Patrick Mahomes should go for like $35. But an auction draft, especially when you play for years, we've been doing, we've had our fantasy football league going for uh, probably nine years now and seven or six of it has been auction. So we're experienced auction at this point. But we've created our own economy. We don't care what the, the auction values are. We've made it own up in our economy. And what I mean by that is every year the top running back's the same value. There's always like $68, $70, what ESPN will say. But every year we know how valuable the top running backs are, and they go for higher and higher every year. At one point, the $70 what ESPN said it should go, and we got up to 80 And then people started bidding the 80s the next next year, and it was like crazy. We're like, wow, we're betting like 85 for one player. We only have $200 for a whole team. We're spending $85 on one player. And then a couple of years ago, the crazy happened, and we broke 90 This player is projected to go for $70, player, $70 of your $200 budget, and we're spending $92, $93, $94 on this one player. It's half your budget gone, basically. And last year, Mayhem broke loose. Mayhem absolutely broke loose last season. As the player, Christian McCaffrey, went for over $100. Over half of your team's entire budget being spent on one single player. And that's why auction drafts are so intriguing because you can get any player you want. It's all about if you bid enough. You create your own economy because every season, every single year, we've never had a year where the top running back goes for less money because that's just the way it goes. You know, man, the top running back went for this last season. Last year, Christian McCaffrey went for this, and that should go for even more for Jonathan Taylor this year is the logic. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but the auction is just such a fascinating thing to get to just to dive into. And I highly recommend if you aren't a part of an auction league to join one. And do that if you're a snake draft league right now because auction is so superior. It's so much more fun. It takes so much more skill and strategy than just a snake draft. Because a snake draft, whoever's left at your whoever's left when it gets to you, you have a, a handful of players you can pick. Otherwise, you're completely reaching. So it's I don't know. It just takes a little of the fun of the way out of the way, or it takes a little fun out of it for me if it's a, a snake draft. But we're going to auction draft. We do in person drafts. We don't do it online. So we have an auctioneer. Say, you know, Jonathan Taylor, $60. So I'll be like, 62 63 Bid on him like that. Super fun. We're all usually drinking, you know, because we do it in Vegas every year. It's a trip every year. So some people are more intoxicated than others. And that always makes for fun things when people just are bidding up players stupidly when they're drunk. But, yeah, I can't wait for it. I haven't – this is the least I've ever researched for fantasy football ever. I feel like I'm more knowledgeable on college football than ever this season. I mean, if you disagree with my takes, I want, that's one thing. But at least I feel like I have an understanding of the players, the coaches, and the college football landscape more than ever this season. But for fantasy football, I'm going in blind. And my flight's only like 45 minutes, maybe even less than that to get up to Vegas. I'm just going up and down in the sky. So I don't even think I'll have much time on the flight to be able to study fantasy football. My draft is Friday night. I'll post about it on TikTok. I'll post stories and videos of the fantasy football draft. 
Speaking of not preparing, though, another fun version of fantasy football is dynasty drafts, which I have one of those drafts on Saturday. I haven't prepared at all. I know you should probably go for young players, but I have no clue how the contracts work or how you keep players or what the, the values change the next season, the contract values, or how you have the rookie draft. I know nothing about dynasty football, fantasy football leagues. I've somehow been playing fantasy my whole life but never done dynasty leagues. So I might be in for a rude awakening in Vegas, but that's what's, that's the problem with Vegas is once you, if you have a little bad day at a draft, you know, there's the good or bad thing about Vegas, I guess, is all your vices are right there. You can go to Caesars Palace. You can go to... You go to Planet Hollywood, the Flamingo, get the drinks for free, sports book with every every horse race going on in the world, dog racing, ping pong, U.S. Open, you name it. I don't know. If you've never been to Vegas, it is a wild place. It's the most unique place in America, in my opinion. It's the one place in America that I think everyone needs to go to in their lifetime. I don't think it's the most like iconic or destination city. Like I would say like New York City might be that in terms of just like... Manhattan and Times Square is just a feat of itself. But in terms of a city, every person I think needs to experience once in their lifetime, top of the list is Vegas. And I'll be there tomorrow. I'll be posting a lot of content. I get back on, or I actually don't know exactly when I get back, but I know that Monday's podcast, I record Monday nights. It'll be tough to film that one. So I'm going to have to upload Tuesday's podcast. I'll still hit it. You know, 90%, we're pushed past the point. This is episode five. We're in the 10% now. We got every episode we release after this, we become more and more of a snowflake. So just because I got to episode five doesn't mean I'm resting on my laurels. I don't care if it's late at night. I don't care if I have no preparation. Monday night, I will be filming podcast episode six and uploading on Tuesday to recap the weekend of college football. Every All the mayhem that happened week one, because surely there's going to be some craziness is going to happen. It's just, it's just got to happen. So I'm going to talk about that crazy week one. I'll reveal to you what my fantasy team is for both the Dynasty League as well as the auction draft. Auction draft is the one I care about the most. I think the buy-in is $250 a person. So it's pretty high stakes, at least for my taste. And then after that, we're just going to finish getting ready for week one of the NFL season because Thursday next week, one week from today when you're listening to this, NFL will be back. So as a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy, Run Your Pool, and Chalkboard. Please go check those out. It helps me out immensely. And please continue giving me feedback down below in the comments. It doesn't even have to be nice feedback if you don't want it to be. But in this episode, now that you've listened to it with an unbiased ear, I tried to talk slower, tried to take more pauses, Tried to be a little more radio broadcaster-esque with my talking. So hopefully you notice the improvements. Hopefully I'm making good strides with this. Again, I would love to have a podcast guest or a co-host. So if you have any ideas for that, let me know. But ultimately, I hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe. Enjoy the college football weekend. Go comment on this video or send me some messages on TikTok or Chalkboard, preferably actually, of which bets that I should be hammering at the sportsbooks in Vegas. And I will see you on episode six.